I'm also here as Andy, I'm the Minister of Downend. Now, we've been at Downend for three and a half years. I wonder if anybody here knows where Downend is. Anybody? A few people. Uh, I think Dr. Corcoran does, because he works there. Um, a few other people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you know how to get here, get, get to Downend from here. Yeah. When I first came to uh, be interviewed at the church, because one of the things that you do as a prospective minister is you, you check out the place and find out what it's famous for. Anybody know what Downend might be famous for? Anybody, any famous people who've come from Downend? Mark? W.G. Grace, that's right. Um, now, Mackie, that won't mean anything to you at all, okay? <laughs> it's gone completely over his head. Because as far as I'm aware, cricket isn't one of the main sports in Albania. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. But W.G. Grace is probably one of the greatest cricketers that this country has produced in terms of his runs. I'm not sure about his lifestyle, though. Uh, he never came to the Baptist church, as far as I'm aware. Yes. I worked in the house that uh, W.G. Grace's house during the war. Oh, did you? Oh, really? Ah, it was a day nursery, was it? Ah, that's interesting, because that house is directly opposite the Baptist church. Yeah, brilliant. So it was a day nursery. It's now some offices, and, and they've just built a, a big nursing, residential nursing home right next to it. And I'll, and I'll tell you a little bit about that later on, because that's part of what we're uh, moving into as a church. So W.G. Grace is one of the famous people. Um, I also found out that Banana Rama um, were born in Downend. <laughs> It's incredible, isn't it? Now there you are, you see. I was thinking about my ministry being based upon one of their most famous tunes. It ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. That's what gets results. But uh, I'm not sure some of my congregation would appreciate that. Uh, and, and recently we've had somebody else famous who has... Jenny Jones, the snowboarder, was born in Downend. And in fact, her open-top bus tour started in Downend. And I went out there with my Union Jack, with the dog and the Union Jack. So Debs was busy, so she couldn't come. And we sort of wave, I waved the Union Jack as she came past in, in, her, in her bus. Um, and Jenny Jones, uh, of course, was in the uh, Winter Olympics and learnt her skills on a, a, a dry slope, I think, uh, just, south of, uh, just south of Bristol. But has anybody, does anybody here know anybody who's competed in the Olympics or the Paralympics? Yes. Yeah. Who, who, who? You can tell, well, you can tell, yes, no, yeah. So I know, I know a member of the American Death Olympics Excellent. Yeah, that's brilliant. Excellent. So, so um, in my um, previous existence, I was in a church in Essex, and uh, one of our congregation was actually in the um, Paralympics, and he was in the wheelchair rugby squad. Wheelchair rugby is a pretty vicious game. I just wanted to tell you a little bit of the story of John this morning before we look at the passage today, because... John uh, was uh, a normal teenager. He went off um, to college every day with his dad. And Southwood and Ferrers, where we used to live, has a long road that goes out to the dual carriageway. And one morning, they were just going out in the normal course of events to college. 
And then coming the other way was a van who was driving on the wrong side of the road with a guy under the influence of alcohol. They had a head-on smash, combined speed of about 120 miles an hour. And the paramedics were called and the ambulance was called and it was very dubious whether John would survive that crash. He had severe life-threatening injuries, as his dad did. They were both taken to hospital. John did survive. Amazingly, he was taken to Stoke Mandeville Hospital, which is the specialist hospital for spinal injuries, because he was completely paralysed. This happened in 2001. And whilst he was at Stoke Mandeville Hospital he was talked to about what he might be able to do once he had recovered from his injuries. And they talked to him about sport. Now, John was a sportsman, but he never really played at any particularly high level. And he was introduced to wheelchair rugby. And he competed in three Olympics. His final Olympics was the London Olympics. He was actually on uh, the, the advertising for that Olympics. And he, couldn't, he could hardly move anything, but he was able to be a, a, an integral part of the wheelchair rugby team. And when I went to see him, I, I, we talked about how he must have felt as a young man losing the ability to do anything at all for himself. He had carers in, he was able to drive his own car, but he needed an awful lot of assistance and help. And I said, how do you feel about all of that, John? And John said to me, Andy, he said, I would never have had the life I've had in the last 13 years. Actually, my accident has enabled me to have this life. I would never have travelled the world playing wheelchair rugby. I would never have gone to the Olympics. And it was a very humbling um, visit as I came away from that. And recently at the church that we, we are now minister at in Down End, we've had a, a guy who's started coming, who's come in, in a wheelchair. He lives in, in Down End. Uh, he said to me when I went to see him, he was in the South African army uh, as a young man. And he said, be careful what you pray for, Andy, is my message to you, because I prayed that I would get out of the army. And I had an accident that meant that I'm now quadriplegic. But he said again, what he has been able to do in terms of his work situation, in terms of his... He again was involved in wheelchair sports. He was a bowls player and and again travelled the world. So those are two different stories. And those set out in a little way, a bit of context about what we're going to look at today. But we're now going to read from Scripture, and I'm going to uh, look at uh, Luke 14 today, which is the parable of the great banquet, which uh, Rich alluded to earlier on. And I'm reading from uh, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. At Down End, we've been blessed with people who come and worship with us every week, who are from all kinds of spectrums of society, of our community. And one of the groups who come have come from a local home. It's called the Gordina Care Home. And there are six people with different types of learning disability. They are amazing. They have no inhibitions at all. They'll come up to the front and pray. One time, one of them, Greg, who can hardly speak at all but can read extremely well, came to the front one because he'd been very upset that Betty Driver, the actress in Coronation Street, had died. And he wanted to come and share his upset and his concern. And we prayed for her family. They answer questions in the sermon, because I tend to throw out questions, and of course, in most church congregations, they, people sit there, they, they think, oh, it's a bit scary about answering a question, so I, they, they're perfectly happy to do that. Two years ago, on Easter Day, I had the joy of baptising Louise, who's one of those six who comes regularly. And after that service, the owner of the home spoke to me, and she said, you don't know how much coming to church has helped all of them. They've got so much more confident. Their self-esteem has grown. Their self-worth has grown. And when God sends people to you as a local church, it should cause us to reflect on our attitudes towards issues like disability. And to ask questions like, well, what does it mean to be fully human? You see, in Genesis, the key phrase is God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. To be made in God's image means we reflect something of the glory of God, who is love. And Psalm 139 describes God forming us in the womb before we are even born. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves, shapes and forms human beings. So to be human is to be created, to be known and to be loved. And if that is true, that must be true for everyone, mustn't it? What might it mean, for example, to state that a person with Down syndrome was made in the image of God exactly as they are? What kind of an image of God does that suggestion 
present to us. Because there is a difficulty, isn't there, that we are tempted to create God in our own image. God is a better looking, more intelligent version of me. But when we do that, those who we see as different from ourselves, people with disabilities, people with, from different places, can only look as though they're in some way not quite in God's image. But what we actually really mean is they are not quite in our image. Now, Jesus had a very different attitude to people who had disabilities, didn't he? What did Jesus do when people came with various disabilities? Did he send them away? No. He actually welcomed them in. He accepted them. When the society that he was part of shunned them and pushed them to the margins. In fact, for many people in Jesus' time... Disability was a sign that that person or that family had sinned. And so God was punishing them. And sadly, that attitude is still around today. Not perhaps so much in this country, but in other countries around the world. That is still said today. And there was a further punishment for people with disabilities and sickness in Jesus' time. They were not allowed to worship in the temple. So as well as being excluded from society, they were excluded from religion too. But Jesus never excluded them from his presence. And when he tells this story of the king inviting people to a banquet, when he's actually at a feast himself, where he's been specially invited as an honoured guest where the other guests were family or friends or rich neighbours. There was a closed group of the wealthy and the influential. And Jesus had been invited along almost as the entertainment. So the guests would be impressed by their host knowing such a celebrity. But Jesus is not willing to go along with this. He deliberately sets out to turn the tables on these rich and influential people. Because God's kingdom is not a place where wealth and influence are important. And just before this story, he's been openly critical of his fellow guests. They've been jockeying for position for the VIP seats near the host. And Jesus says to them, don't have an inflated view of your own importance. And he tells the host, don't just invite people who will invite you back. The next time you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. People with disabilities who would no- which would normally preclude them from an invite. And so what Jesus is saying is, everyone is welcome to be part of God's kingdom. No one, not even the wealthy and the influential are excluded. But they actually exclude themselves because they are more concerned with material things than their spiritual well-being. So Jesus says, for God's house to be full, the invites must go to those who would normally be excluded because of their physical or mental disability. So what's the lesson for us in this 
parable. I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions. Who here would describe themselves as a perfect physical specimen? So by your laughter, I'm assuming that you wouldn't describe yourselves like that. What about a perfect character with no flaws or foibles? All of us are far from perfect, aren't we? But who do we talk about as the perfect being? Come on, Jesus Christ, thank you. And when do you think we might achieve perfection then? When we go to heaven. Okay. Let's just think about those answers as I read you this familiar account that probably in a couple of weeks' time you'll be reading yourselves. It's from John's Gospel, John 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve, but he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus has risen from the dead. And yet the resurrected Jesus still carries his wounds. Heavenly perfection is not the same as perfection as taught by our culture, without blemish. Two years ago, BMS provided some resources called Undefeated, and we'll see a clip from that in a short while. But included within those was a reflection on the theology of disability. And the writer said this, It's not our bodies, our intellects, or our capacities that make us acceptable to God. None of those things makes us human. It is God's unending love for each human person that creates and sustains us in our humanness. Disability is simply a variation on a common theme. So what does this mean for us as local churches? Well, God's heart is for his house to be full. So in each place where God is represented, in each local church, the invitation is for everyone to come. As the invitation was this morning for Christianity Explored, for everyone to come. But we know that although the whole community is free to come, the vast majority of the communities that we are part of are too preoccupied with material lives to respond to God's invitation. They're all off shopping or 
going to the park this morning. They're not here. And so in our setting, God has said to us, go to those who you wouldn't normally expect to see in church. Those who live in poverty in a post-war council estate. Those who are waiting trial at the local bail hostel. Those who are not able to get out to church. Go to them in their residential home. Those are the people that I want you to invite. Recently, just next to the the house where W.G. Grace was born, where my friend worked during the war, a new nursing home was opened. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a visit at the church from the new events organiser at the home. She was looking for help. She'd been in post for a week. 17 residents had already moved into the home and two were threatening to leave already because there was not enough going on. And she said, Andy, I need your help. What can you do for me as a church? So next week I'll be taking a service there and she's asked that we have a monthly service where we go to the home with a group of us from the church And I made an appeal at the church service a couple of weeks ago for others to help me with that. Because I said, I can't do that on my own. It's not sustainable. I've now got nine people who've come forward with others expressing interest to go and help. Some of the folks have come to our tea and cake afternoon that we hold fortnightly. But mainly we will need to go to them because most of the people who will be living there are too frail to come out. And many of them suffer from dementia. So that's going to be a challenge for us as a church community. But that is the great commission that Jesus says to us, isn't it? Go and make disciples of all nations. And the Apostle Paul set out a vision for a church community. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, black nor white, able-bodied nor disabled a place where discrimination and prejudice are abandoned and love is the overriding factor in all our relationships. That's the vision that I hold for our local church. Because in Downend, we're not just simply called to be a white middle-class community, but a church where people of all races All ages and all abilities are welcomed and valued and loved. And where each person contributes in their own unique way to the building up of the church as the representation of Jesus' kingdom on earth. But disability is not just an issue for us here. It's a worldwide issue. And I'm going to ask Andy if he could show just a short clip from the BMS material, just to widen our focus on this before we come together again to worship God in song and in prayer. Thank you, Andy. Before Dave uh, leads us in prayer, I just wanted to share with you a version of the Beatitudes by, written by a person with a disability. It's a very powerful uh, statement. We looked at the Beatitudes a few weeks ago in our morning service. And this has been written by um, 
a New Zealand uh, uh, citizen. So I'm just going to read it to you now. Blessed are you who take time to listen to difficult speech. For you help us to know that if we persevere, we can be understood. Blessed are you who walk with us in public places and ignore the stares of strangers. For in your companionship, we find havens of relaxation. Blessed are you who never bid us to hurry up. And more blessed you who do not snatch our tasks from our hands to do them for us. For often we need time rather than help. Blessed are you who stand behind us as we enter new and untried ventures. For our failures will be outweighed by the times when we surprise ourselves and you. Blessed are you who ask for our help. For our greatest need is to be needed. Blessed are you who help us with the graciousness of Christ, who do not bruise the reed or quench the flax. For often we need the help we cannot ask for. Blessed are you when by all these things you ensure that the thing that makes us individuals is not our peculiar muscles nor our wounded nervous system, nor our difficulties in learning, but in the God-given self which no infirmity can confine. Rejoice and be exceeding glad and know that you have given us reassurance that could never be spoken in words for you deal with us as Christ dealt with all his children.